Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, have to grab it from the headlines, even though I usually totally overlook stuff that gets those big, big headlines and certainly has so many agenda items to tick off. But when I dug into this one, I found a few interesting threads to pull on. So... Let's talk about the Texas synagogue hostage situation that was began and ended on Saturday, even though it was an all day thing. On Saturday, a 44 year old gunman named Malik Faisal Akram, who was a British citizen, he took four people hostage in the Congregation Beth Israel Synagogue in Colleyville, Texas. And it was during their Sabbath because Saturday he demanded this was interesting. His, he demanded that Afia Siddiqui be released from prison. She's in prison not too far from there. There was an 11 hour standoff. Three hostages uh, escaped. In the end, no hostages were killed, although Akram was killed and the standoff ended when the FBI hostage rescue team, which came down from Quantico, entered the synagogue. Now, that really rang a bell for me. A lot of things in that story set off alarm bells to me. So let me just tell you the first pass which is just if you read the official narrative, you can see agenda items ticked off. This guy supposedly had mental health issues. He was anti-Semitic Muslim guy that you have identity, you have race, uh, you have. And then two of his sons at first, they were saying men, then it was teens then it was his sons were arrested in the UK. So that also brought to mind this idea of international policing, um, cross-border crisis. So at the surface, this is like one of those, um, it's like a double fake thing, or it's like, there's two layers to this rabbit hole. So in the beginning, I'm like, okay, maybe it looks like a false flag to me. And they're checking a lot of boxes, but if you look at when when I realized those were his sons who were arrested, it really reminded me of Al Awlaki, who was at, works with the CIA. He was an American citizen. They I believe they killed him and they killed his 17 year old son and a lot of people who his son was with. And I always think stuff like that. And like Guantanamo and stuff are not so much about stopping terrorists, but it's about silencing people who know too much about certain operations, maybe can't be trusted, like a cleanup operation. And that's what it started to sound like to me. Then I looked into this chick, uh, Aifia Siddiqui. She... So I read this article from 2008. So it's like 14 years ago, something like that. She was 36 at the time. It said, listen to her story. She's the wife of Amar al-Baluchi, who is a nephew of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who U.S. officials say was the chief planner of the September 11th, 2001 attacks. Now, he is also supposedly very deep state still running terrorism operations or was uh he might have died but anyway he was a very fishy character and Bellucci, her husband Sadiki's husband is also a cousin of Ramzi Youssef who was convicted for the 1993 World Trade Center bombing which had F- had CIA all over it. There's like tons and tons of evidence that that was, a, I think, a CIA or FBI sting operation. Look up Alam uh, S- Salem. 
uh, or Ahmad Salem, he was an Egyptian guy who recorded his conversation with his FBI handler saying, you guys were supposed to replace the explosives with dummies. This was on broadcast on CBS News. It was on my old website. I don't know if it's gone by now, but... Uh, is Bellucci helped facilitate travel and financing of senior Al-Qaeda leaders? We know Al-Qaeda is the CIA database. So this chick, super, super fishy stuff going on with her. She is in jail, probably Guantanamo style, because it said that she, when I was reading that 2008 article, it said she faced up to 20 years in prison. She's serving an 86-year sentence. So they locked her up and threw away the key and the sentence in she's serving out in Fort Fort Worth was for the attempted killing of FBI agents and other soldiers at an Afghan police compound in 2008. What the hell are FBI doing? This was a big thing that Mueller did right after 9-11, if I understand correctly. And I think Putin has said this, too, brought the FBI into as an international policing operation kind of thing. So that was really interesting. And then the last thing I'll say is that, did you want to say something there? And then I've got one more thing. Yeah. The FBI as an international policing operation fits right in with what's going on right now with combining domestic terrorism with foreign terrorism and them just kind of working hand in hand and full sharing of information with CIA and other operations. I mean, it fits really perfectly. And what the hell is the FBI doing should be a question everybody's asking all the time. Yeah. So and actually, now that you mention it, what they were doing was bringing domestic law to foreign lands, violating the sovereignty of other countries with that kind of stuff. And then if you fold that around and take the foreign stuff as being the slippery slope libertarians have always warned about and then turning that on domestic, quote, terrorists, labeling that so that you can take away their rights, that kind of goes full circle with the slippery slope of of violating somebody's sovereignty, which was the heart of, quote, American exceptionalism. But here was just something that I don't it doesn't mean the only reason that this last piece was interesting to me. I'll tell you what it was. So the elite FBI team from Quantico was called something simple, like hostage rescue team, I think it's called. And I knew about that. As soon as they said an elite FBI team, I knew what it was because I'd investigated it before. Last time I looked into it, there's only about 80 people in it. And the reason I was investigating if there was only one FBI hostage rescue team was this. There was an FBI rescue team involved in Jahar Sarnayev's capture after the Boston Marathon bombing. A month later, two of the members of the hostage rescue team fell out of a helicopter to their deaths in a training exercise in the ocean. And I said, okay, I I read one account of that they were there in Boston. It's a small team. If they went in, is it the same team? And I did get at least as far as to say I thought it was the same team. And now it says that team was the team called into Texas. There is only one team. And there was one dogged journalist trying to get to the bottom of the deaths of those guys would write articles all the time, I think, out of Virginia, which is where it happened or off the coast of Virginia or something like that. And after a while, he just shut up. And I don't know why, but like there was some deep fishiness in that uh around that that the deaths of the people from that squad so at first i thought this was your your typical false flag now i think it's a cover-up and a shut up which is what i thought boston marathon bombing was too yeah it's a interesting story i find it interesting that the person is from the uk usually it's someone from the united states so i wonder how that angle is gonna uh, wrinkle in with it 
have a story that I came across about a doctor today that I want to tell you about because she's being treated unfairly. And she seems to be, I went through her website, exposing some truths about what's been going on with the whole coronavirus thing over the past couple of years. When I look at these websites, one of the things I judge them on is, are they super slick and amazing websites? That makes me suspicious. This is not a super slick, amazing website. This is somebody throwing it together, but the information on it, for the most part, seems to be pretty solid. But the doctor's name is Dr. Meryl J. Noss, and she's a doctor in Maine. She's been in internal medicine for over 40 years and licensed in Maine and since 1997. She recently lost her license, had it suspended by the Maine Medical Licensing Board, which said that continuing her practice as a physician constitutes an immediate jeopardy to the health and physical safety of the public who might receive medical services from her. And they also ordered her to submit to a neuropsychological evaluation by a board-selected psychologist. And as a result of all of this, her practice where she takes care of chronically ill patients and COVID-19 patients has been shut down. So those people have lost their doctor, probably been her patients for a long time. They no longer have a place they can go to get care. Now, why did the board come to this conclusion? I'm sure you're asking. Well, because they received complaints that she had engaged in public dissemination of misinformation about COVID-19 and vaccinations via a video interview on her website. And they also received a complaint that she was spreading COVID and COVID vaccine misinformation on Twitter. And they received a complaint from another doctor who notified the board that Nas, the doctor, had diagnosed a sick, unvaccinated patient over the phone with COVID and then prescribed that patient with five days of ivermectin. The patient ultimately had to be hospitalized. Now, what they don't include in the article about this is that this patient asked for ivermectin. They wanted ivermectin. They wanted hydroxychloroquine. They had been going to her because they were seeking alternative treatments than the mainstream treatment. They also don't mention how everybody is diagnosed over the phone these days. They also don't mention that the patient had tested positive. It wasn't like this doctor just said, you have COVID. The patient tested positive and she was diagnosing the symptoms. And the misinformation in her videos, quote misinformation, I'm doing finger quotes right here, was that she did not intend to comply with masking and vaccine orders. She also said that the more doses of the vaccine you get, the more shots you get, the greater the risk of adverse reactions. She said that if, you, if you're going to get myocarditis over 80%, get it after the second dose, not the first dose. And that people who get it after the first dose, many of them had already been infected with COVID. There's a long list of claims, which are claims that you hear in alternative media that she does provide evidence and background for. She puts evidence for everything. She links actual medical studies. She links to the CDC on her website. I'm going to put her website in the show description. You can go scroll through it if you want. There's, there's information on there. And I'm not saying trust everything she says on there fully. I'm just saying that read through it and she does provide sources and she seems to be getting the wrong end of the stick. She's basically having her license suspended for being what is classified as a conspiracy theorist. I got two things about that. One is, where did you read the story? The regular story was, it was a mainstream website. It was yeah. MSNBC, I think. Was it slandering her or did it? 
like direct you to her website. No, I, I went and found her website. Yeah, no, it, sound, I, it sounds legit to me. That whole thing sounds legit. I, I have to say this falls right into the deepest dive of the day, which is also my positive note of the day, a profile of a doctor whose outcome, so, saying similar things, outcome very successful. You're going to want to hear about this guy. Well, I think she could be successful as well because looking through her site, she talks about all of this and she's going to challenge it and she puts the criminal statutes around spreading misinformation. Her response to the medical board was everything that I say in public is accurate and she links all of the documents and she links their their sources, the CDC and everything. And then she says they have no legal grounds to do this on. I have a lawyer and she puts all of the, the legal information. I don't think they have a chance against her. That's interesting. The it would be great if truth were a defense to claims of misinformation and disinformation. It's crazy that that those kind of things are crimes without any damages. I've always hated that. Even crying fire shouldn't be an a priori crime. It should just have damages. So thoughts are now harms. You know, prior to that, you would have to actually have harm, prove harm. Words are acts. Prior to this, you would need an act that harmed somebody. And I was wondering about prescriptions over the phone or telemedicine because America's frontline doctors are doing that, I yep. think. And they and the mainstream is absolutely pushing telemedicine. Part of the Great Reset is going to be telemedicine. So this is this is for sure a, a vulnerability for them to move into telemedicine if it ac- gives access to these little guys to a lot more people. Definitely. And her posting on social media she has to back her stuff up because the people that complain don't even know her. They just watched her videos. Another one just saw a tweet that she linked one of those. I think she must have linked a, a video from one of those 12 disinformation people or something. I don't know if that doctor's on that list, but it was somebody who... Some of those say, guys are great. Right. So it was social media activity that resulted in what's going on here. And I think it's a message they're, they're trying to send to those doctors that people go to to get those alternative types of treatments. Okay, so check her out. I'll link the stuff in the show notes. And it is worth noting that Bloomberg did report that the European Union regulators warned that frequent COVID-19 booster shots could adversely affect the immune system and may not be feasible. It could weaken the immune system responses and tire people out having too many of the shots. That's that's a piece of information that I, I found from her website. Okay, so data transferring information, metaverse big news topics right now, especially the beginning of the year. There's a story in the Wall Street Journal about Google, Amazon, Meta, and Microsoft, and the control they have over the infrastructure uh, that the internet is built on. So the internet basically is connected around the world, the data centers, everything, by fiber optic, optic cables buried underneath the ocean floor. They have these massive operations where they go down and they drill deep into the ocean. It's, it's elaborate. And before 2012, these organizations owned less than 10% of this infrastructure. They now own and control 66% of it. And by 2024, these four businesses are projected to ha- collectively have an ownership stake in more than 30 long-distance underseas cables, each up to thousands of miles long, connecting every continent on the globe except Antarctica. 
Haha, <laughs> funny. Did you ever see the a new thing? I only just saw it, a diagram of Africa, how the, the cable is or is about to just ring Africa. They've always had the transatlantic cables, a couple of them. But also in this story, to change out Facebook with Meta yeah. really changes how you think of that story. Because if you look at it and say Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Microsoft, like Facebook, wow, I never even thought of it as that powerful. And now it's Meta. So you just kind of don't think about the fact that Facebook, which you're plugging into night and day, is part of the world governance mechanism. Yeah, and Google as well. Google is the only one of the four that don't cooperate and work together. The other three work together in this endeavor. Google is trying to dominate it on its own alphabet, Google's parent company. I mean, every one of those four companies has the fishiest deep state founder story, origin story, as they say. Yeah, this story stuck out to me for a couple of reasons. One is it made me think about the information about World War One and World War Two as well. The British controlled the underseas cables, the communications that transferred. And that is one of the ways they were able to manipulate the United States into joining the war on their side is because they controlled what information we got and what information we did not get from overseas. That is one uh, we did not know that some of the messages that were being sent to us from Germany, from other countries, because they were intercepting them. And this is. I think the same thing here is they can inter- intercept, control what reality we perceive and therefore, you know, kind of direct whatever country to do whatever they want. I also wondered, I have always wondered, as we've been trying to move and there's always loss in this and it costs more and you get less, but moving away from just being plugged in totally to GoDaddy or whatever, got our own servers, all of that. At what point does the international whatever domain body, those the internet backbone, whatever, get to kick you off no matter what, just keep you from communicating? They don't necessarily delete your data or keep you from accessing your own data. Maybe they could actually do that. But at some point, you are at their mercy. And as, if you've, as you have mentioned before, people could be interacting with bots and not realize it because they want to keep people engaged. So they want people to continue to interact because they want them engaged in the matrix. But Oh, you're saying that they're going to cut you off and you won't even know it? Yes. Funny. <laughs> Possibly. Wow. Yeah. One Jeez. other point here is these companies with that amount of power, just like governments, just like uh, other big businesses, are going to be the target of infiltration. They're going to be the target of competing forces that want to come in and co-opt the power, whether they're on a, a, you would call a good side or a bad side. Maybe even there'll be a Ron Paul libertarian type who wants to co-opt one of those organizations. So any, anything with that amount of influence is a target of being co-opted. So I wonder what type of people are trying to get into these companies right now. I'm always Well, well, they couldn't be any worse than the CIA that founded them all. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's just maybe they can be more blatant about how they populate their ranks. But this whole thing, the Great Reset, so much of it. Yeah, I just want to say one final thing is they say they're doing all of this to increase the bandwidth with across the most developed parts of the world 
to bring better connectivity to the underserved countries. It's always for the it's altruistic. Yes. Yeah, that's fantastic. So yeah, so data is obviously a huge part of this, and those guys are I, I, uh, so much of it is data. There's more. There's control. There's surveillance. There's censorship. But even just amassing data, I, that's my my skepticism about telemedicine is that it really must be about putting data through the pipe and making sure everything is digitized, even to the point of your communications, voice to text, stuff like that which they couldn't do if you were in an office. It's kind of like the public square moving to the digiverse. You perforce get everything recorded. You don't think it's recorded, but if it goes through the pipe, they can pull it out. So there was another big article in the Wall Street Journal today. The CDC director aims to improve COVID-19 messaging and data collection. So she said uh, the whole story that looks like it's about how they didn't communicate clearly that things were going to change and blah, blah, blah. But at the very end of the article, it says fewer than 200 health facilities across the U.S. had their electronic health records linked to the CDC data collection system before the pandemic. Now, thanks in large part to federal funding, tens of thousands of facilities have upgraded their electronic record keeping during the pandemic, and they will continue to plug that stuff into the CDC. And she finally says, or they say in this article, that modernizing public health data infrastructure for the federal government and 3,000 state and local health departments would cost about $30 billion over 10 years. Uh, that's according to the Healthcare Information Management System Society. And Walensky says, uh, we're just, we've, we've just started. This will not end with COVID. It is not one and done. Interesting. I think you're right about that. It's definitely not going to end with COVID. So the midterms are coming up. I'm sure COVID is going to be a major talking point there, a way to divide the left and right. Another issue has cropped up, though, that is going to be a way to divide the public, but they're not quite sure which way to divide them yet, and that is cryptocurrency. There's a lot of politicians that are embracing cryptocurrency, but it's not falling along the typical left-right lines. Although, Democrats are more likely to call for regulation. Republicans are more likely to embrace it. But many Democrats have embraced it as well. The critics of it, which I think is going to be interesting, the critics of it are not getting are not seeing any much benefit right now. There's a guy in the House. His name is Brad Sherman. He's the biggest critic of it. And he's been talking about how this technology is just going to undermine the the financial system. But he's not getting the support that the other candidates, because the other candidates are seeing this, and so they are embracing it, and they are taking donations through crypto. There are they are running what they call as pro crypto Democrats or pro crypto Republicans. We're starting to get those types of candidates out there. <laughs> it's so funny they made this a, cr- a cry from the people. Totally cashless yeah, society. Yeah, yeah, they say decentralized way of paying is the way they are but, promoting it, even though it's not all the way like that, and probably ultimately will maybe. Maybe decentralized, but it's certainly digitized. Totally. Well, they also have some groups in the House that have that have cropped up. One of them had a funny name. You know, I'll have to find that later and tell you what that name is. Because you know how they organize those, you know, committees in the House and they give them the whippy names. There's a couple of them that are based around crypto and Bitcoin. And you know, one thing that Trump and Hillary agree on, they both are against crypto. They both think it's <laughs> boomers. Melania just introduced her coin and celebrated crypto's 13th birthday. Is it the melon? Right. 
Yeah. <laughs> and the under 50 crowd is pro crypto. maybe. They Far say that say. younger politicians, they have not met any who are critical of cryptos from somebody who is in the House. So this is coming forward as an issue. How it's going to fall out, we're not sure yet, but it is expected to be a minor issue in 2022 and to be a major issue in 2024 presidential Oh, race. very interesting. All right. Before we get to our deepest dive of the day, where we're going to do a little digging on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and company, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR. Something is making Americans sick, and I'm not talking about COVID this time. And Alec Baldwin models the behavior he'd like to see, or does he? Okay, I have an opinion on that. But first, I want to thank our sponsor of today's show, The Rye Guys. Do you love freedom? Does the daily news leave you shaking your head? Does mindless conformity give you the heebie-jeebies? Are you surrounded by people who just don't get it? Are you right now wearing clothes? You over there, yes, you. Do you like cool clothes? Well, meet the Rye Guys, makers of fun, freedom-loving t-shirts and more, quality products for independent thinkers and other such troublemakers. We make each of our handcrafted tees with equal parts satire, mischief, and rye social commentary. Put on one of our tees and you'll meet kindred spirits, share a laugh, and enjoy great conversation. Take off one of our tees and, well, we're not here to judge you. We support liberty, peace, and voluntary solutions to societal ills. And you have our word, our products are never tested on animals other than sacred cows. So stop by today at www.ryguys.com. That's W-R-Y-G-U-Y-S dot com. Ryguys.com. The Rye Guys. A rye wit for today's sh- Check them out, ryguys.com, promo code PROP10. They got a lot of great, funny stuff there. Also, great company, supports Liberty, supports us. Thank you. Check them out, ryguys.com. Also, if you want more content, if you don't like the ads, or if you just want to support the show, join us on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash report and check out our tiers there and find the one that's right for you. We have bonus content every single weekday. The ad-free DNB XR, which is 50 minutes Monday through Thursday, and sometimes even Friday. On Fridays, we have grab bags, interviews, early releases, guest appearances, patron-only Q&As. We also offer direct one-on-one access to Monica and I. And all premium content, you get it for as little as $7 a month with more tiers offering live stream, interactive content with Monica and I, and the entire Propaganda Report Patreon community as well as shout outs and even some Zoom calls with the two of us. And we have the best looking, most engaging, interactive, highly intelligent community on Patreon that has been proven scientifically. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Propaganda Report. And now on to our deepest dive of the day. So this is a, a twofer. Because it's my positive profile today's profile and uh, a little bit of a deeper dive. So I made a mistake. I want to talk about Joseph Ladago, who is the Surgeon General in Florida, and he's my positive. And I was going to double down on the positives with DeSantis. I really want to like him. I really don't want to dig too deep. But when I looked at his backstory, I really I cannot I I'm going to have to be convinced that he's not somehow deep state. Now, I don't care because like I always say, if what if Ron Paul is is a is a limited hangout and Trump is a limited hangout? 
Does that mean you're not going to vote for Ron Paul? Of course you are. So I, give me Ron Paul any day. If that's where we are and that's limited hangout, that's fantastic. So let's get to that in a second. But I just wanted to tell you a little bit about Joseph Ladago, who is a Nigerian-born Harvard Medical School educated, now Surgeon General of Florida. He came most recently from UCLA. And from what I can tell, now I didn't want to dig so deep that, that I got disillusioned in my first pass with this guy. And again, if he's limited hangout, more power to him. Him. Uh, just, but he's like your doctor from earlier in the show, only he is getting rewarded. He is definitely a free thinker and a courageous man and a position of authority and prominence. And I saw an article about him in the Wall Street Journal today because they had featured his words so much previously that it called attention to uh, attention to him of DeSantis. Now, I know DeSantis had been following some pretty high level advice, medical advice, not like out of the CDC, but private stuff. I think, I mean, I don't, I don't usually get insider tips, but I happened to talk to a guy who knew about this. It seemed right to me that DeSantis was actually trying to follow the science. And that included some of the things that this guy was saying. So the Wall Street Journal article is about this Joseph Ladapo. Uh, no, Ladago. Maybe it's Ladapo. Um, he, he tests, uh, he doesn't want to test for asymptomatic people. He doesn't want vaccine mandates. He's not crazy about masks. And he hated life in LA under the lockdowns. And he had some like three really good quotes that I don't want to take out of context or paraphrase because they come from him and he's a medical guy. He says, uh, he said, as early as March 2020, my prescription for state and local leaders keep shutdown short, keep the economy going, keep schools in session, keep jobs intact, and focus. Focus single-mindedly on building into our healthcare system the capacity we need to survive this. So he also recommended swift treatment and robust protocols for people who are sick, but again, not testing. And he, this is what I liked. He said, the state isn't restricting access to tests for anyone who wants one. We've avoided that because that's been the spirit of the pandemic, which is to order people around to make them to do things, make them do things to force people to do them, not respect their personal preferences. I'm stupefied by it. So many of my colleagues would think it's okay to abdicate the rights of adults to make decision about a vaccine or about other public health measures like this guy. He's, he's saying the right stuff to me. He, he says they're pushing vaccines too hard. And here is an example. He said one of the things some women have been saying is that it has altered their menstrual cycles. He said last week, the Journal of OBGYN published a study that found that vaccination is associated with a small change in cycle length. And NPR titled the article, COVID vaccines may briefly change your cycle, but you should still get one. He said, that's fine to conclude. It's not great for them to say that because they're, they are giving out medical advice and they shouldn't. But he said, the point is, it's wrong to suppress people's concerns and complaints or what they report after something happens and not investigate. That's true. I mean, that was totally not the protocol prior to this. He said, the study found the effects were temporary, which is great. And he's so right. Listen to what he says next. We don't understand the mechanism. Why is it happening? What else don't we understand? These are good scientific questions. And it's anti-science not to let people explore those questions. I mean, this guy is really um, good. And he was also saying that if you have had a prior infection, I believe he was saying this, that it is better than a vaccine, lasts longer. He was really, he's been made fun of a lot. And 
Uh, but I found a study linked in one of the articles, I think that may have been making fun of him, that the Cleveland Clinic, uh, which I think was the source of the DeSantis, uh, DeSantis protocols that he followed that weren't just like straight out of the CDC, they cited numerous breakthrough cases. I think they're vaccine-enhanced respiratory disease or sometimes vaccine-induced COVID among breakthrough and in addition, regular breakthrough cases. It said in a study of almost 1,400 healthcare workers who had had COVID, not one got it a second time in their study. And uh, this could lead to, I think, using proof of infection as a kind of proxy for vac- uh, having been vaccinated, if it comes to that, hopefully it never comes to that in Florida. But I highly recommend people get evidence of antibodies. If you don't have a positive test, because the antibody test doesn't work after a while, it doesn't mean that if you're exposed, your antibodies will not be produced. It just means that, and take it from a celiac, you can't get the test. The test of an antibody will not come in positive unless you're you're bodies in the presence of the antigen. So if you've got if you got it recently, get that test. Dr. Nas talks about that on her website. Oh, one, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I yeah. The, and this guy's got such a lot of credentials. It's going to be hard to slap him down. And and he's literally from Nigeria. So it's going to be really hard to say that, like, he's the black face of yeah. <laughs> white supremacy. Anyway, six, uh, he said, uh, I also found that I looked it up. 65 million cases have already been reported in the U.S. I actually thought it would be more. That's only 20 percent of the population. But that would count. 20 percent would not have to get the vax. But I did want to say a little bit about DeSantis. I'll try to make this as quick as possible. He did uh, put Ladapo in place this fall. And prior to looking into DeSantis, the only I, I liked a lot of what he was doing. I was very impressed that he did that uh, COVID protocols. But I did not like a couple of things that I knew about him. One was I didn't like that the vaccines that he would not allow private enterprises, private retail or whatever, to have a vaccine mandate themselves at their own front door. Then I thought maybe he made that a law to give companies cover if there's federal OSHA or other mandates. So then you can say, I can't obey OSHA because I have to worry about my state laws. You know, you'd at least have a fighting chance. So maybe he did that to be clever. Don't hang, hold that against him. I don't know. And then the Miami condo collapse, which absolutely did not seem what you see is what you get, but he got on his podium and he said what he had to say. Now, maybe he just didn't want to get killed or kicked out of office for something he couldn't control. I really don't know. But then I looked into it. Okay, he went to Yale, then he went to Harvard Law School. And that's a little bit of a flag. I went to Harvard and I went to Stanford. So I'll take the flag and then push forward and see, is there anything fishy further than that? Because you have to kind of have words or acts that raise the red flag in order to go down that road. And he was a deke, which was, I think, George H.W. Bush was a deke. Was that a fraternity? D- yeah, Delta, Epsilon, whatever. I don't know. Um, I don't I don't remember what it stands for. But anyway, I think that it, it was H.W.'s. I know H.W. was a deke, and I think DeSantis was a deke. Okay. Uh, so... I think that he's on the road to running for president in 2024. He's running for re-election in 2022. He, 
he worked at, he was a judge advocate general and he worked at Guantanamo. He was a Navy SEAL on SEAL Team One in 2007. I don't know if you can, are there lawyers? On, I, I don't know if he was like a, they, they bring lawyers with them or if he's just a fucking stud. I think he won the Little League World Series when he was a kid. So maybe he's just like uber stud. I don't know. Giga Chad, as Fat Mitch would say. He is, uh, so. He was an assistant U.S. attorney and a congressman and a founding member of the Freedom Caucus, which I think did not impress me in the very end. He did some things I really don't like. A lot, a lot of things. He promoted E-Verify in his state. He doesn't like legal weed. Um, but he did issue an executive order calling for an end to Common Core in Florida. And he suspended Sheriff Israel, replaced it with him with somebody who was definitely controversial in the end. But I don't like Sheriff Israel. And uh, it cost me my WordPress site or something. Thing. I don't know what happened. Oh, YouTube. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, I mean, my guess is that he is deep state, but he will be the lesser of two evils if they feel like they have to give us somebody who isn't just a um, an empty suit or a loud mouth or a rabble rouser or whatever in to keep the the right the left right paradigm afloat to keep the Democrat Republican Party going. If this is the Republican they have to give you, if he breaks liberty instead of breaking security, which he sometimes does, I mean, <sighs> unlikely I would actually vote for him as long as Ron Paul's alive. I'm still voting for him. <laughs> and, uh, and then I'd vote for my mom after that. But whatever. I just uh, wanted to kind of get a little deep dive on him and also give a little shout out to Joseph Ladapo for being a, at first pass, a free-thinking man of courage who is now in a position of prominence and and some authority. Very interesting. I did not know those things about DeSantis. Yeah, so we'll keep we'll keep going. I got a little bit of a wrap here. Can I say a couple things? Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that Florida and California are on opposite ends of the country, and they are representing opposite COVID POVs. You know, one thing that I don't like is that both of them have the Capitol Police outposts. So I'm a little worried about that. Florida has Broward County. I can't imagine there's a governor there who doesn't know about Broward County. It's just a hotbed for yeah. dis or false flags, whatever. And I have linked, and I'm going to link a couple of more this week, vaccine-induced case, case studies and published articles from found among on Google Scholar that... I know some people that I think might have been affected by these. So if you want to read some actual recent studies of vaccine-induced adverse effects, I'm going to put them on Locals. I put one on Twitter, but I'm probably not going to put it on Twitter because I think it might yeah. get me. Yeah, put it on Locals. And if it's free, all you have to do is sign up for Locals. You don't have to pay. I think there's like two days left for the Try Locals free promo code. But to get our free posts, which are most of them, to get the content, you got to pay. But to get the free posts, you don't. But uh, you could also include... I'm not trying to give you work, but the emergency or other pe people can just look this up. The emergency use authorization letters talk about vaccine enhanced respiratory disease. And then the VAERS, the vaccine adverse effects database, which you have to jump through a few hoops on the CDC website. But you can look at like Pfizer COVID uh, reported adverse effects and it's grossly underreported. And that makes the data there even more shocking. So, 
So two quick things. I want to shout out a meetup. Tomorrow we share the show Tuesday. I'll rattle off some higher side chat meetups in the hopes that people will find like-minded people there in their town. But I did want to give a shout out to Travis, our patron saint. We're an um, activist in Missoula, Montana. We'll be talking to him later in the week. But before we get to that, I want you to know that he put together a meetup on the higher side chat meetups website so you can go there and he's hoping propaganda report folks show up that website is higher slash events and he's doing that this thursday january 20th so check that out i'll announce that every day until thursday so if you are in missoula and you hear this or you know someone who lives in missoula or near missoula tell them because my guess is it's not a huge place and it'll be nice to find some like-minded people and then I have a big shout out to Patron Saint. Travis's energy. He's got fantastic energy. Probably be a lot of fun to hang out with at the meetup. Oh, yeah, that's true. It will be fun to hang out with him. And he's always doing stuff. Yeah. So, so big shout out to Patron Saint Seda from the Zoom call this weekend. Her mom was plugged into our talk on internet privacy while her dad was slaughtering chickens in the back house. And you could just see Seda in the background coloring, listening sweetly. She's a huge fan of Propaganda Report. We're a huge fan of hers. And also another girl who's a patron saint, Ruby. She wasn't there. We hope to see her at the next Zoom call. And I think we're going to place the first half of that Zoom call, which was mostly internet privacy information from We had several experts on there. We're going to do that. I I think we're going to do audio only because just to protect privacy, especially if there are kids, you don't want to push, put put some video out like that. So we're going to do audio only maybe in the patron feed on Friday if we can do it and lots of links and stuff. So thanks, everybody, for coming to that and uh, see you in the XR. All right. Fantastic. Happy MLK Day. You will find a better orator than Martin Luther King. And how about our, maybe put in the show notes, our expose, that WSB show about how James Earl Ray was exonerated and a case filed by the King family. Yeah. Yeah. We can definitely do that. Check out his, I have been to the mountaintop speech. He is the best. There will never be one any better. Have a fantastic day. You can find, you can find the drive time news blast every week afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcast platform with the propaganda report podcast feed if you want access to that extra content that we were telling you about go to patreon.com slash propaganda report we will talk to you guys tomorrow or in the dmbxr have a fantastic rest of your day